authors, editors, publishers, book cover designers, agents, critics, readers. A whole lot of professionals come together for a book. We are going to explore the world of books in our unique podcast show called Book Lounge. Book Lounge is brought to you by iCafe Podcasts, born with a collaboration between Tell Me Your Story and Zero Hour Entertainment. I am your host, Koral Dasgupta, all set to ask some interesting, straightforward and fun questions to our guests. Today, I'm sitting with Milan Bora. Milan is an author. She has written a lot of books and she has a very eventful life to talk to us about. Uh, Milan, welcome to Book Lounge. Thank you, Koral. Thank you so much. And we are as delighted to have you with us. Milan, you have a great deal of success. I mean, I follow you on Twitter. I keep reading about you. There's a great deal of success that you have as as an author. How is the journey as an author? Uh, you know what you see on social media is only only the the reward let's say like it's it's what comes after years sometimes of of struggling to write uh you know the struggle the inertia the abandoning of ideas and uh, when something is finally out you know that that part is the happy end uh, for the author to so to speak you know when you get to uh, get to share your book with other people at at book events or at litfest or at store readings and things like that so that's when you actually meet the world and the rest of it is like uh, you know years of struggle behind it <laughs> uh, so how did the journey start did you uh, how did you become an author you know um, again i'm i think that i was very fortunate in the sense that i had not started out with a plan that i want to be an author and when i was really young i knew that i want to spend my life around writing so that was something which was very clear but in in the mid 80s when i was passing out of college and uh, you know knew that i want to be in writing so i joined this place called the uh, indian institute of mass communication mm-hmm. and i remember in the course a lot of people were saying yeah i want to be in advertising but i don't know yet and i was very clear because i knew there is something called a copywriter and i knew that that at least allows me to uh, be creative in terms of writing mm-hmm. so at least that way there was some sort of direction but being a, a person who wrote fiction was very remote you know there were authors who you read who you revered and they were very far away they were very distant from you mm-hmm. so it didn't ever strike you as, as something that you could even um, shoot for mm-hmm. i was reading that you were called the first milzen boons author of india how does it feel first milzen boons author <laughs> you know it it happened uh, uh, you know i think we talked about this in a conversation i talked about this in uh, some interviews that it happened without too much planning it happened on an anniversary night when it wasn't going so well there were you know uh, uh, it was generally uh, not the most romantic anniversary so i had sat down and finally written a short story which was the last date to enter a contest that halikun was running Mm-hmm. and after that managed to just literally i think i literally made that deadline by a few seconds or minutes it was that mm-hmm. that uh, close and then i forgot about it and then i started getting calls from uh, mumbai from their uh, their india office from halikun saying uh, can you come to bombay can you come to bombay to attend this event and i was i had just injured uh, my um, you know foot and i was going off to see the doctor and i said uh, i'll i'll let me think about it and then i there was no signal so by the time i came out my husband said they've been trying to reach you desperately just call mm-hmm. 
and again i went off not really expecting anything expecting just to go enjoy mumbai which i loved that i hadn't been for some time i thought i'm going to go there enjoy the sea view i was told it's uh, you know a hotel on marine drive I, i was just going there with zero expectation and then it was actually turned out to be a much much bigger thing than i ever imagined and um, you know there were bbc cameras and uh, cnn and india today and every major media who were there who were you know covering it and um, Chetan Bhagat was giving away the award, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was really nice. They did it like a little countdown kind of thing, you know, announcing the top five, then the top three, and so on. So it was quite, quite uh, unbelievable. And at that time, I came away. I was supposed to go back to Delhi to see my mom on the way, and uh, I had received some, you know, prizes that they'd given me. So I, in fact, gave it to my mom on the way, and and uh, came back then after that to Bangalore. Uh, then, then began actually speaking the exciting and the yeah the the real stuff. You know that's when it got real, and uh, they said that you know now you have an uh, you know interaction with our editor in UK. You'll be assigned an editor, and you can start working on a plot. And mm-hmm. only the okay, a plot is when uh, you get a contract. So that that contest didn't come with a uh, with a. ready-made contract to become so you became the first indian mills and moon author and my story was uh, the story that one was published in the next lot of mnbs that came out okay yeah but yeah it was really exciting and i think it was also nice because i hadn't overthought it i tend to overthink things otherwise things otherwise i keep thinking should i shouldn't i whatever in this one i hadn't and just went for it very spontaneously and that's when it was very exciting Yeah, I mean, I remember at some point of time I did consult with uh, Harlequin for a very brief uh, time, oh, yeah. and I know, uh, yeah, I did uh, quite some pages of editing uh, with Harlequin. Oh. So, uh, and I was very sad when Harlequin did wind up. Yeah. So, uh, from India, of course, not from the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I know the fun of, and the fun thing is that I didn't read uh, Mills and Bones when. People usually read it. I didn't read when oh, I was in school or when I was in eleventh and twelfth. No, I read it when I was working with them. So and, most people, it's uh, almost like a rite of passage, right? You think like it's part of growing up that you, a girl at least, and many guys who take their sisters or their aunts' books and secretly read them. <laughs> yeah, I when I got hold of uh, them from a professional perspective, that is when I re- realized that when I was when I was doing my MBA in uh, Lucknow. Oh. I had my friends, and in their homes, I did see these books, but I never picked it up. It was uh, their bookshelf. I never picked it up, but I remember that okay, these format of books I did see them. You know, I, I had I had these two older uh, girl cousins who were much older, and they had a trunk full of M and Bs, and they were all covered with newspaper. And, <laughs> yeah, I was like one hidden trunk under the bed. And uh, when I read the first one, the first one that I read was borrowed from them, and I remember the title still. It was really poetic, and it was called "Mist Across the Moors." Mm-hmm. And uh, I like liked it very much. But at home, my dad had always and mom were both professors, and they encouraged me to read everything. You know, mm. so so li- it's like literally like I think from Anne Blyton, I jumped to Agatha Christie or to Sidney Sheldon. There was no. Gradual sort of growing up into this age or that whatever. So when I told my dad I want to read this, he would you know very often come by on his way back from college, stop at the lending library, uh, you know, uh, in the market, and and bring a bunch of them. So there was nothing at all furtive about it. Mm. Quite quite surprising to me that they were doing this, this covering up thing. 
<laughs> you know, uh, when I think of uh, Milton Boom series, they usually have very, very robust uh, heroes and very beautiful, uh, larger than life kind of hero. I mean, they're very beautiful heroines and larger than life kind of love stories, where uh, the entire thing is very, very fairy taleish, set in a uh, contemporary uh, space. So, I when I look at your book cover, uh, the the book cover of the Love Asana, I find it very Indian. So for you, when you were told that you were writing Milton Boone's uh, thing, and then the cover was a little uh, much more Indianized, how was that? I mean, the entire Indianization of Milton Boone's for the first time, you were doing it. How was that? Well, actually, when um, you know when I was going to write it, that itself was the that was the exciting part, right? That so mm-hmm. far generations of uh, women had grown up reading M and B's, and this was going to be the first one that actually used Indian characters, Indian settings, and and hopefully an Indian uh, context. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the context wasn't uh, you know so clear to them. I mean, like uh, you know, a lot of uh, very Indian things that are familiar to us, like the arranged marriage uh, system. You know that the fact that. Um, and this book happened ten years ago, but I'm saying that even today there will be guys uh, and uh, girls who uh, may have family or uh, you know aunts or whatever who will say that meet the logisko. What's wrong? You know, at least meet the person. And it's not a it's not a something you close your mind to. Yeah, you may or may not. I mean, but to um, the editors in UK, there was no Indian sensibility. None of them had been to India. um so they couldn't understand these kind of things so my initial plot was quite different uh, which was the one that won the story the short story context was very different from the book and um, they couldn't understand even like why should a guy be uh, you know have his mother with him why is the mother staying with the hero it took away from his alpha maleness mm-hmm. so that, i mean the book took longer you know it um, it went back and forth with me trying to explain i would keep sending him links saying look this is how it is you know And, if, and do you know that you know is this book going to come out in a global for a global readership or is it in India? Because if it's in India, then you don't need to worry. This is understood. Yeah. So I think a lot of that you know process of getting clarity with each other. And for me, of course, also there was a lot of understanding because they are the world's most successful uh, and loved publishers of romances. You know, so they have experience. Uh, you know that they were sharing with me in terms of. how you would you know just structure a romance and things like that it was good to learn it was something that uh, you know i think has always helped me you know not write in in a vacuum yeah i mean i completely understand when you say that uh, the entire indian setup was uh, not something that was pally to uh, milton boons before you actually uh, did that so that must have been a very uh, interesting cover interestingly coral was uh, was a thing where i think by the time the book was coming out it happened at a time when my mom had had an accident in a very major uh, you know cardiac arrest and i had rushed to delhi and uh, was in uh, escorts with her so um, before that you know met some of the senior people and i'd give floated an idea with them and said that you know and that's i guess my advertising thing coming into it and mm-hmm. you know i was also bringing that uh, enthusiasm to it and i said you know because this is going to be the first one why don't you also simultaneously run a contest and you know ask people if they'd like to model for the cover of the first indian milton bone oh so i left the idea with them uh-huh. but uh, it was executed only in the next book so they actually then later for the second book that they brought out they ran a contest and they had people who were you know <laughs> you know wanting to be chosen for uh, being the face of yeah the hero and heroine of the book so uh milin 
just you very briefly touched upon your uh, the accident that your that your mother faced just when the book was coming out yeah. and as much as i have known you i know that this is not the only case there has been many such struggles that you have and you still do uh in your life in your personal life and you have always managed to swim out of it as an author i mean personally you must have had those days those difficult uh, times but as an author you have al- always swam out of it and detached yourself from uh, from anything that is pulling you back uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about that because i know that you are going through one right now no one is that uh, i guess um, i've never been a person i i don't like sharing anything about my personal life on social media so you won't you won't usually see me putting pictures of uh, family you know or uh, especially i'm very protective about let's say my daughter i won't put pictures of her mm-hmm. i don't want random people just trying to you know be friend and and uh, you know it doesn't need to go there at all i won't talk about you know i am ill and this is going on uh, if i do at all i'll make sure that that is a very restricted post and only close friends can see it so uh, basically i don't i don't really like uh, i don't like sharing my personal life uh, in in social media for sure but uh, yeah there is there have been a lot of challenges and uh, the people and recently i started talking about uh, one which has been a long one which is uh, you know that my husband has an autoimmune illness and that's been a very long struggle and it has gotten uh, you know more challenging in the last 5 or 6 years it's it's been a 15 year struggle mm-hmm. and uh, so it does it does tend to drag you down weigh you down because i am the primary caregiver mm. and um, there there are so many other things you know that i don't even uh, really want to mention those but uh, yeah it is and i think that i've also been really lucky that i've had friends who are uh, great uh, role models and support mm. I have I have a very close friend who's a journalist, and uh, you know, even in the face of extreme personal tragedy and loss, and uh, you know, she's talked about how she learned to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. And I guess that is something that I I try. I don't succeed like she as well as she does, but I try. At least once I've managed to get my mojo and I've got a momentum going of writing. That time I can tune out everything else. But it takes me months and months to again, you know, get get that. Uh, get that energy back into a book you know otherwise very often you know you're you're feeling a little um, weighed down by everything there else that's happening in your life yeah so that's exactly what i wanted to ask you uh, you know that uh, while writing as an author we need our own space we need our own head to be free of a lot of things that is when a lot of things come out uh how do you manage to do that and more importantly what i wanted to ask you is that uh in some way or the other a, an author's uh, personal space does get employed in their in their stories or at least in their manner of writing if not in their stories you're absolutely right coral about this and i think that you know for me a lot of it becomes cathartic you know but uh, it's a way to to do things that sometimes you couldn't do in your own life so for for me to have ragini face this particular situation where even if she's felt that she hasn't even had her parents standing up for her her making a hard choice a really hard choice and saying i'm going to walk away from it and she still has her music mm. for me i had 
I have, I mean, it's so sad to say this, but I had twice, I had experiences. I used to learn music and I loved it. And I, you know, believe that if I had stayed with it, perhaps I could have uh, perhaps even had, uh, you know, something that more that came out of it. Uh, because everything needs a lot of, uh, you know, riyas. you can't just say yeah. you have a voice and that's enough. But um, I had experiences where gurus, you know, beha- behaved weirdly. And so I ended up because I was so sca- I'd get so scared and shocked that I'd just stop, you know, I'd stop learning at that point in time. I just wouldn't go. I wouldn't tell um, like my mom and dad, you know, I don't want to go to this class mm-hmm. or whatever you wouldn't get into. And even later, even as a grown woman once. So I feel that, you know, for me, for instance, there was a loss. There was a very deep loss of music. The fact that at least of learning music properly, you know, from a really good guru. You, you, of course, you can't lose music in the sense as a as a humor as a as a listener and as a person who can you know just enjoy it and and have it as an anchor in your life that nobody can take away from you. But what I could do is that I could make Ragini react differently from the way I did. You right. know, she holds on to her music. She's able to say, "Fine, you know, even if my mother doesn't uh, listen to me, I can, I can." Uh, I can still stick on. I've got the music and, and stand still, by itself. Yeah. And stand for herself. So one of the key messages in our song was, you know, learning to stand for yourself, stand up for yourself. You know, Milan, when I hear you, I mean, I am really very perplexed because when I read our song, I found it very, of course, it had its conflict areas uh, extremely well laid out. Having said that, that particular uh, story was very deep in music. It was very lyrical. It was very poetic. And I wonder how could you uh, construct a difficult memory of your life? You made such a, I mean, you know, you just pick up the garbage of life and make and remold it into something that is so beautiful. Uh, how does that happen? <laughs> well, I think that it also helps when, when you have distance, right? Or even if, I mean, it works both ways. In my case, you know, the incident that I was using as part of the story, it wasn't the crux of the story or anything, but it was very much part of what molded Ragini. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had enough distance to be able to say, you know, to revisit, to revisit the pain, but also to, you know, have my character who had already become stronger after so many years. Yeah. And it does take a lot of time for anybody who's, you know, been through it or going through it, you know, you know I think the only thing that, the only thing that helps is that you you keep uh, you know working at it with friends or with counselors or whatever you know is going to help you. But uh, on the other hand, there are also you know things which are very fresh and which are in your in your uh, mind. Like I think that uh, you know heartbreak is is an emotion that I really tried to um, work on here. The you know this this the feelings that Ravini went through at, at certain points in the story, which you'll, which you read and you realize, you know, when, when it gets very, very rocky, uh, mm-hmm. the relationship. Now it doesn't mean that I need to have, you know, experienced heartbreak in exactly the same parallel in that situation, but you you could have felt devastated and heartbroken about something else. And you could, as a writer, you just, you know, try and revisit that particular emotion and then, apply it to this situation. I think it's probably very similar to what actors do also. True. Let us talk about something which is a little more happy. Tell us the journey of uh, TikTok We Are 30. <laughs> TikTok We Are 30 was my revenge. 
mm-hmm. for uh, you know this bunch of friends that I grew up with when I was in Delhi. I had spent uh, from the age of about ten to maybe twenty in in a colony called Anandiketan in Delhi, and mm-hmm. it was a it was a lovely. I used to say it was like a mini India, you know, around a park, mm-hmm. and there were people from every part of the country, also from many some other nationalities and. Uh, um, it was a it was a really lovely kind of a growing up and we did actually just you know our, our growing years our key growing years were there together and then everybody went their own ways after college of course and we had all planned a reunion which oh. didn't yeah we had all thought we'd have a reunion but it didn't happen because life gets in the way you mm. everybody's on different continents and everybody's got spouses and their plans and their budgets and you know somebody's got bored kids with bored years that year so it you just couldn't agree on anything Mm-hmm. So one day I finally gave up. You know, we had thought even at the year two thousand, we had all said, "Let's do it, let's do it, let's have this." It didn't happen. Then again, I would keep trying to revisit. And then another very good friend of mine, you know, she would say, "Look, it's not going to happen. I think it's just going to happen like each of us visiting each other when we can, as and when." So one day I just decided. I said, "Like I'm now going to create a set of friends, and I'm going to create a reunion. And you guys are going to love this so much that you will now want to make that reunion happen." <laughs> So it was my revenge, you know, for all these people and their fatrugiri. कुछ करना नहीं है सिर्फ बहाने बनाते जा रहे थे. But the funniest was Kuril. Just now, because of lockdown, that I actually finally, literally, I and another friend of mine in Gurgaon, we finally managed to get uh, at least I think ten of us of the old uh, gang. On a on a Zoom call, and that was like the closest we've come to a real reunion. Oh, tell me about it. Seriously, I mean, uh, we did the same too, college gang and school gang, and it just felt why didn't we do this before? It's not that we are totally no. constantly only working. Yeah, I mean, in lockdown, and it's not that in lockdown you are actually not doing anything. In lockdown, you are doing more than otherwise. Absolutely. Probably now we are connecting back because now we are just feeling that we will probably fall. And the day we I connected with my school friends, especially, it just felt like going back to those days. and look seeing them and laughing at the gray hairs that oh buddha ho gaya so <laughs> it, has been, <laughs> it has been so nice and it just felt that why didn't we do this before or why didn't we do, don't we do no, we were this particular call this was across i think six time zones so we had australia we had poland we had uh, uh, san francisco we had um, india time we had three places in india and uh, and uh, toronto so you can imagine so somebody is starting at like 6:30 in the morning we were in we, i was like i chose the best time slot because i was the organizer <laughs> so <laughs> so that was like we were at 7 in the evening and uh, you know some of the uh, the the australia lot was starting at 11:30 at night and you won't believe it we thought i thought that we do this and you know the friend who i'm very tech unsavvy the friend who set it up he said i th- i think uh, zoom allows 40 minutes or something i said okay and then they extended the time and we didn't even realize that the call kept getting extended we were actually all of us on the phone for 4 hours with with people bringing out and showing us their old bottles of old monk somebody says you know look at this i bought this and and uh, you know the, it was it was really like a reunion party almost so that so has been for uh, tiktok with 30 mm, yeah i was about to ask that that has this gang red 
So, which is why everybody could laugh about it. You could actually laugh and say, ha 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 ha, you've given so-and-so an erectile dysfunction. Ha ha, you've done this, you know. So, but you couldn't take offense because you knew that that isn't that character. No, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about just remembering the friendship, you know. I mean, when you're yeah. writing stories of friends, obviously, some element of your personal friendship will definitely go into it. So, that... There was so, much, uh, there was so much of that, uh, you know... Uh, The, the the affection and the leg pulling and the protectiveness and the bitchiness that is there with you know with old friends you have so much so much um, baggage and strong bonds and you know if you notice that when you go back with your friends also you go back pretty much to being who you were then yeah so that was fun to try and recreate you know imagine if if we were all to meet so i could bring that warmth into it from remembrance sure Uh, so Milan, as an author, what is the most memorable incident that you have had in your life? Kural, I had something really beautiful that happened just a few months ago. I had I had gone to Delhi for uh, a fellowship that I'm part of. This is the Kalinga Fellowship, and there were about ninety of us who were coming from all over India and around the world who are you know giving time for um, working towards women who are in and children who have been trafficked. Mm-hmm. And I got joined in late. I I was coming back from the Times Lit Fest in Kolkata, and I said I'll be joining in the second, uh, I mean second half of the first day. Mm-hmm. So I came in, and I was the last one. I just introduced myself, and we, they had already been formed into smaller groups. And I went into that group, and I said I'm Milan. I hadn't even said my full name, and that one girl just looked up and she said Milan Bora. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that somebody knew, and I said yeah. She said. the milan bora and i was like obviously it's like you know one of those moments where you're feeling embarrassed and you're feeling really happy that somebody knows knows you you know mm-hmm. so i just said yeah and she said the writer i said yeah so then later in in the coffee break we all split up for coffee and i was standing there and i said that okay so have you even read anything or you know you just know the name mm-hmm. and she said, are you kidding me i said okay really and she had already read our song it had got to her she read mm-hmm. it this was a girl who had come down from shrinagar mm-hmm. very committed person who has been part of this fellowship for many years young girl i would say probably in her like max about 30 early 30s mm-hmm. and uh, she, she had come down alone in a bus two days uh, with no contact no connectivity no nothing and then she so i said uh, so Have you even read me, or you like just know the name? And she said, "Are you kidding me?" And then she just held both my hands, mm-hmm. her like literally the finger and the thing overlapping top to bottom. And she just held it and she said, "Thank you for writing." Wow! I, I just could I couldn't believe it. And then later, as I got to know her in the workshop, I realized I realized that the kind of life that she's been leading, you know, in the last five six months, you know, from before when we met, you know, from. when things got really dark in kashmir and you know here was a person who actually says that you know when you read a book like this it she says that it 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 lifts me up 
Hmm. And it makes you feel lighter. At the end of it, you're you know you come away feeling good. So like like it was such a lovely, such a beautiful, pure moment. You know when she just said that, and I at that time I just you know dropped any. things you know where you go through sometimes saying you know what am i doing am i reading who's reading me i don't know you know you go through all that self doubt at that time i just felt so blessed i felt really lovely sure that i can totally you know i can just see that happening and i can just feel it and i do i i do really believe that uh, this kind of a book will definitely resonate with everybody but especially with those who see themselves in the in that and they see, they feel themselves voiced in the most strongest way yeah and i think you know something like this also indicates you know what happens is because you know people have such a strange attitude to romance yeah it is one of the most read uh, genres you know around the world every single publisher you look at their list they will have at least a couple of romances they'll do that but there's still that whole judgmental attitude towards romance and it's something which i'm sure i mean i don't know about others but it has always bothered me because i didn't i didn't sit there and plan and say i'm going to be a romance writer but once i was i completely embraced it and i also know that that's not it that's not all that defines me and there is also absolutely a lot to be celebrated in it and something an incident like this you know makes you realize you know that there is such a wonderful role that that books like this have as well yeah but look at look at us right now in this situation in lockdown what are we reading do we sit there and only want to read grim stuff or do we actually want to read books that make us feel lighter make us come away with a sense of hope you know so yeah that's i think that's uh, one of the things that i really really uh, will treasure what are what are you writing next uh bilan gosh there are so many things that are kind of half plotted few chapters written i think that this lockdown hasn't been good for me at least to be able to focus mm. but uh, what i'm doing is i'm using the time to plot mm. I'm, i'm quite a plotter i can't do this business of just writing on the go i can understand but uh, you know the other day when you said uh, when you sent me a whatsapp at 4 or 4:30 i don't remember <laughs> saying that lunch abhi tak nahi hua hai So I knew that okay, <laughs> this is the writer's mess. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I I am so ashamed to say it, but timetables have just gone for a sock. Uh, you know, six for with uh, with uh, not understanding days of the week anymore. Not not getting a fix on. Yeah, I think that is with all of us. We all yeah. have lost the count of days and dates. Yeah. So on that note, I wish that. Uh, we all get over this phase at the earliest in the healthiest possible way yeah. but more importantly uh, milan uh, your life gets sorted in the way that you would want it to and your writing flourishes and more beautiful books comes out of your table thank you so much for being with us thank you so much coral and before i go i just want to leave us uh, all with you know one note or one line from the book you know which is um, it says people will leave even the good ones do the music will stay so that's so i think that it is from our song so i hope yeah, that more and more people read this read the book and you know you'll enjoy it i think at a time like this it's uh, you know it's good to have books that can kind of lift you up and they're also not so unreal they're not some kind of fantastic fantastical romance it's rooted very much in real people with real issues but there's humor and i think there are tender moments and keep listening to music and keep reading Absolutely. Thank you so much, Milan. Thanks a lot. Thank you, audience, for listening to our show, Book Lounge, brought to you by iCafe Podcast. Please do reach out to us with your thoughts and suggestions on hello at iCafePodcasts dot com. 
Subscribe to www.icafepodcasts.com and you can also hear us on other audio apps. Stay tuned with us for Book Lounge. iCafe is brewing.